What is happening, my good people? Greetings. How are you? How are you holding up? How's everything in your neck of the woods? Are you staying sane, safe, active, healthy, productive, positive? Hopefully all the above. You certainly don't want to have any negative attitudes or a negative mindset permeate into your soul, into your spirit. And as tough as it may be, if you're out of work, looking forward to that next paycheck, your unemployment check hasn't come through, hopefully I could provide a little bit of relief as we go through the sports landscape and discuss everything that's happening here as you've come to the right place on the J Reels podcast with your host, J Reels. For my first timers, welcome aboard. And for those who have been with me for now 124 episodes, I welcome you guys back. It's a Monday, April the 13th in the year of our Lord, 2020. The J Reels What's the Deal segment. What to expect here over the course of the next 45 minutes to an hour as I discuss topics varying from the NHL where we had a sad and very tragic death among one of the hockey brethren out there, a one Colby Cave of the Edmonton Oilers who had suffered just a very fatal brain bleeding due to a cyst in his brain. The hockey world has certainly mourned the passing of this young star who was 25 years old. He previously played on the Boston Bruins, so we'll touch a little bit on that as well as what's happening in the NFL where we have the draft in 10 days. We'll preview that next week, but with a lot of off-the-field stuff, whether it's Brandon Cooks being traded to Houston, and remember, they traded DeAndre Hopkins to the Arizona Cardinals, so they've made a little bit of an upgrade there. Also, the competition committee looks like they're not going to endorse the pass interference replay for 2020, what that impact may have for the league moving forward if we do have a league this year. Also, the NBA, where the Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert rift seems to be buried as far as the hatchet is concerned. We'll touch on that. Also, some baseball notes. But to think, a little over a month, in fact, what was it, 32 days, the sports world has been shut down due to this COVID-19 pandemic. And all you have to do is just look at the past week. As much as you miss sports, and I miss sports, sad to think that just in the last... Seven days we would have crowned an NCAA men's and women's college basketball champion. You would have had a master's champion yesterday in Augusta, whether that would have been Tiger Woods, who was defending his championship from last year, or somebody new to resurface to either get their first green jacket or multiple if you're Phil Mickelson or Bubba Watson. You would have had the first weekend of the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs in the books as we move into the second week. And that's just in the last seven days. And to think this coming Wednesday would have been the finale of the regular season for the NBA as they look forward to their postseason, which would have started this coming Saturday. Instead, we have leagues that are scrambling to find out what their plans B, C, D, and E would be in hopes of respective seasons in hockey, in basketball, even baseball. And they just only hope that it doesn't turn into a big giant F And that would be for failure to complete or even launch a season. And sadly, when we look back at the past week, of course, there's no relief in sight. We're not going to get into the State of the Union as far as what this country is going through. As we all know, all 50 states are certainly affected by this, where pretty much everything is in lockdown. And not to bring any more negativity, as I try not to bring the negative. I try to bring more of the realism more of the realistic approach people for everybody to listen to. But as we know right now with these leagues and all the rumors and all the ideas and everything that's just being bandied about, and that's what we're going to start here is we'll kick it off with baseball. 
Baseball is the one sport that right now could certainly afford to buy a little bit more time where the NHL and NBA right now, they're certainly looking at the clock knowing that it's ticking a lot faster than they had hoped for. As I mentioned, the NHL postseason would have been underway with the NBA season right now, just a few days away from kicking off their NBA playoff and their quest for a champion here in 2020. But with baseball, the landscape is pretty much as follows. When they're trying to come up with creative ways and ideas to start a season, to get themselves at least a semblance of maybe 80 games. I know I talked about it a little bit last week and even the week before that where I think if there's a season that's going to be anything less than 80, even if it's 60 to 80, is it really going to be a season in the eyes of the true diehard traditional baseball fan? Now, of course, that question cannot be answered as of yet. Me, how I look at it from afar right now, I won't like it. Will I watch? Absolutely. But at the same time, when you look at baseball and you look at even some of the stoppages of the past, and this one obviously is unlike anything we've ever seen. But when you have a strike-shortened year, whether it was in 1981 where I believe they played 112 games, which is similar to the 94 season, which obviously went to strike, and they played 112 games that year. You also had the 95 season where they played 144 So they pretty much had a semblance of a season where they had over 100 games. And to me with baseball, I think that 80 games should be at a minimum. And if not, they should scrap the season. I understand that's easy for me to say. And I get that the Players Association and the owners, they're going to do whatever it takes to have anything short of one month where they absolutely have to scrap it at that point. They're going to do whatever it takes to get these games being played and right now, it looks like they could be played on the moon as long as they somehow, some way figure it out between now and you would think maybe August 1st. Now, there were a lot of reports last week. Jeff Passan, I guess, got the ball rolling of ESPN where he thought that games would return in Arizona where you would have all 30 teams converge there. Now, remember, Arizona, where the Cactus League is played, You have all these ballparks that are within a 40 to 50 minute proximity of each other where the danger of that is having all 30 teams converge into Phoenix where they'll have to have their, not just the players, managers, coaches, etc., but personnel, your bat boys, your equipment managers, your medical staffs, even your front office people where you know the GMs will be there and I'm sure owners as well which can make it for a very tricky proposition. And when Passon put that out last week where the league could resume in Arizona, that was shot down quickly by a lot of the people in Major League Baseball to think there's no such plan like that forthcoming. And Passon and some of the other writers, obviously they're looking for a story. They're trying to get their claws on anything because as competitive as the media is, especially when it comes to getting stories like this, They're going to try to run with it. And that's not to knock Passon or not to get on his case. But as we all know, until we get something definitive from the powers that be in Major League Baseball, I mean, what is there to report? We don't know when this country is going to be back at full swing, back with some semblance of normalcy. And even Bob Nightingale, the USA Today, had an article late last week where he thought a lot of the teams where they're located as far as their spring training facilities are, to have it pretty much done by region. 
So for instance, in Florida, where you'll have a division of the Mets, the Astros, the Nationals, the Marlins, and the Cardinals, those five teams are pretty much in the southeast corridor of Florida. Then in the northwest part by the Panhandle, you could do Yankees, Phillies, Blue Jays, Rays, maybe even the Pirates. And then in the southern part of that Panhandle, you could do Twins, Tigers, Red Sox. I'm sure I missed a couple other teams out there. And then pretty much the same thing that you have in Arizona, where they would institute new divisions for this year based on where the spring training facilities are And they could go ahead and maybe start up a season that way. Obviously with no fans in the building. In hopes to not only get a season started. But to get a season of note. Not having to deal with 40, 50, even 60 games. And I'm sure the worst they want to do is at 80. Because after that, they're certainly going to roll the dice to see whether or not that this product is going to be worth it. As we all know, baseball season is a marathon. Instead, this will end up being a sprint. And all these ideas that are being thrown around, I think are good. I think it's creative. And this is the one year where you can do it. So whether you're trying to squeeze in double headers, whether you're looking to try to cram in as many games as possible, also maybe with certain rule changes just for this year only. I know the one rule that I couldn't stand is once you get to extra innings, let's say maybe top of the 11th, where you put a runner on second base to start off the inning, Maybe that's what you do this year, just so you don't have to worry about having games go deep into the night or long into an afternoon where you know that you're trying to get these games in as quick as possible. And also a tremendous factor here is the travel, being able to not have to worry about getting on planes, flying around the country, which is why the idea that's been floated around by Major League Baseball is to have All these teams set up shop where they normally do in February and March and just make it regional where you're going to have six five-team divisions and then be able to do some sort of knockout tournament amongst those divisions and then kind of break it down to where we have those divisions, whether it's in Florida or Arizona, get together, meet up, and pretty much not have an American League and National League. It's just going to be all one to 30 top to bottom, pretty much playing for a World Series. This is going to be the one year to experiment and do something like that. And I wouldn't be opposed to it. In fact, I actually like it. But the one thing that baseball certainly has to figure out is when the baseball season is going to begin. And obviously, they're going to have to do it in front of no fans. And you also got to remember, too, that despite the TV deals that baseball has with ESPN And TBS, especially come postseason, Fox, of course. What's going to miss out here is the gate receipts that the owners are certainly not going to get from the concessions, from the merchandising, obviously from ticket sales. So players are now paid and through May 31st. And anytime after that, they're going to be fending for themselves. Now, it's not going to hurt the Mike Trouts, Bryce Harpers, and Manny Machados of the world, but it's certainly going to hurt the 25th man, on the roster, the utility infielder, the middle reliever who's probably in his second or third year in service in the major leagues. And we understand that the owners and even the players, they're going to do whatever it takes to get themselves on the field. But remember, the fans are the ones that paid their salaries. They're only going to get so much from the 
TV revenue boat. And I guess it's better than nothing, but something that they also have to figure out, which I'm sure is at the forefront and on the front burner of their proverbial stove. But at the same time, they got to make sure that they could get a schedule together. They got to make sure if they're going to do this regional deal where all these teams are going to play amongst each other and break down the divisions and leave it as wide open as possibly can be. They have to figure that out before they even think about paying players and they just have to make sure they get a season off. And that's what they're looking at. So despite all the reports that were put out there last week by the aforementioned writers and we understand they're just trying to get a story and even though all that is false and nothing is imminent as far as any Plans, like I mentioned at the very top, B, C, D, E. I'm sure they're weighing every option that's out there. But as we know, as of right to second, there isn't anything definitive. And all we could do is just sit and wait. I wish there was more to add to that, but people, we all know that this thing isn't uh, ending anytime soon as far as the lifting of the pseudo ban that's going on in this country as far as people convening in public places. And that's trickled down to the winter sports where the NBA right now, they're certainly waiting to assess what their next move is going to be as the calendar turns to May. Now, there's still a couple of weeks to go before we get there. But some of the things that I've read, and I'm sure you guys have read as well, they're looking to implement a 25-day program that's proposed to go through before games are being played. So let's say for argument's sake, if they're looking to start off the NBA postseason, let's say on July 15th, 25 days before that, they will have an 11-day stretch of individual workouts while they still continue to practice social distancing. And then after that 11 days are up, the two-week time frame to where the entire team practices together So they could get themselves all on the same page and then jump right into a postseason. Now, of course, that doesn't come without any red flags because there's also been some rumors that are bandied about as far as that the players would like to have a solid month. They would certainly want to have some camaraderie to get back together with their brethren as far as their teammates are concerned. And then I'm sure you've heard there's been a lot of players that have actually had needed to borrow hoops from next-door neighbors. And in the case where the current MVP, Giannis Antetokounmpo, as much as he's been working out and staying in shape, he hasn't gone anywhere near a hoop since the NBA has temporarily shut down. So to think, he hasn't even shot a basket in over a month. So players feel like they'll need at least a month just to get themselves back into, dare I say, playing shape. Because who knows, as much as You can be active throughout this time. I'm sure a lot of the guys are also taking this time to rest. A lot of downtime. Who knows what their diets have been. I'm sure a lot of takeout. I don't know if a lot of these guys may have personal chefs. But at the same time, these guys are pretty much doing whatever they can just to keep themselves as healthy as they possibly could. And who knows what the diet has been. Then there was another report that you have to factor in the risk of injury. Which could possibly take place after being inactive all this time. For them to ratchet it up so feverishly to the point where they've missed out maybe potentially two, three months. We won't know until this is finally cleared up. And then what happens if they pull a hamstring, turn an ankle, 
or God forbid, even wreck a knee in the process just for the sake of trying to get themselves back into shape just so they can make a postseason push for a champion. That's another thing that's also been part of this mix. So even with the NBA trying to come up with so many different scenarios and so many different plans, it's very ambiguous to see anywhere near in the near future how this is all going to pan out because it's good to role play. It's good to come up with all these different types of schemes, scenarios, and practices in order to get themselves as seamless into a few regular season games and then into a postseason or directly into a postseason as possible. But as we all know, this is a first for all these leagues. And we don't know how this is all going to play about. Now we get that a lot of this is all proposals and they're waiting until May to make even a slight decision towards trying to get themselves back to a healthy state to where they could go ahead and play these games. And the NBA, remember, they were the ones that took precedence over all the other leagues where they suspended their season during the time of the NCAA championship week. They said, "Uh uh-uh, we're calling off all these games until further notice. And you would think the NBA, they're going to do the right thing. And they're going to hold out because they know going back to that TV money, like I said with baseball, the NBA, their players are paid until Wednesday. After that, there is no paychecks coming in. And a lot of those paychecks for the postseason revenue is going to come from the networks. ESPN, TNT, ABC, you name it. So for them to want to rush this thing, I'm sure they certainly want to. But at the same time, they've been head and shoulders above everybody else when it comes to trying to make the right decision, the wise decision, the right decision, and the smart decision in trying to absorb and digest all this. And you would think that Commissioner Adam Silver will do just that in hopes of trying to either resurrect the season or unfortunately put the kibosh on it. And now they're also even thinking about moving the draft to August 1st. As we all know, especially here in New York, the draft is held at the Barclays Center. You would think they're going to do exactly what the NFL is going to do where Roger Goodell, and I'll get to that later on, he's going to be announcing the draft picks in his basement. And if the NBA is going to have to do the same thing, they'll certainly do that. But now they're not even looking at the June, whatever it is, usually the 22nd, 23rd, when the draft is. They want to push that sucker to August 1st. So they're well ahead of this curve. They're certainly on top of this, trying to do the right thing, make the right decisions. And they could just only hope that once this thing finally passes, that they could go back to frantically trying to put the pieces together in order to complete this NBA season. And the same with the NHL. I don't want to say they're in cahoots with the NBA. And you would think a lot of these leagues are, they're connected in some ways. More so the NBA and NHL because they're both the winter sports. So I'm sure whatever the NBA is going to do, the NHL is going to do. And I don't want to say vice versa. It's not a monkey see, monkey do thing. But obviously they have that in common because their schedules start at the same time and roughly end at the same time. When you're talking about the start of their seasons to the crowning of a champion. Whereas baseball, obviously it's spring, summer into the fall. And then in the NFL, you have late summer into the fall. And then obviously winter when you have the postseason. And as with the NHL, no news has come out of there as far as what their plans are going to be. But I'm sure they're holding tight. 
and holding out hope that they could finish out a little bit of a regular season, have a couple of games under their belt, and then go right into the postseason. So we'll see how that all shakes down. Other than that, what else is there to say? You just have to wait and see what's going to happen here with this country, what's going to happen pretty much throughout the world. But as far as sports are concerned, until there's going to be a tremendous slowdown of this virus, nothing is going to, and I don't care what the players and the owners, commissioners, if there's one thing that the NHL right now is looking at, even though there hasn't been a lot of chatter or noise coming from the headquarters at the NHL, the one thing that I have read of recent note is that they're looking to possibly host playoff games in North Dakota, New Hampshire, or Saskatchewan. So if they look to start the postseason, whatever that date may be, you're looking at those cities potentially as possibly being hotspots for these NHL playoffs to commence, which is a little bit unconventional, but they're going to do whatever it takes, just like I mentioned with the baseball. If it means having games in spring training sites, then so be it. And at this stage of the game, you may not like it. It may be unconventional. You may even thumb your nose at it. How are they going to play these games in these arenas or in these minor league ballparks? or what? What's done has to be done. These are extenuating circumstances where pretty much anything goes. And I'm not saying this as a sports fan and just desperate for sports and watching games, but if this is how it's going to be here for 2020, then so be it. And no one is more of a traditionalist and wants to see these teams play in their respective arenas and home ice and things of that nature than I am. But we have to face the music people. I mean, they could play these games on the moon. Outdoors, and it's 100 degrees. If that's the way it's going to be, then you just got to deal with it. Grin and bear it. Just be thankful that it's back. And whether you think it's going to be legitimized or not, then that's on you. I understand with baseball, as I mentioned before, if they're going to have anything less than an 80-game season, you could certainly put the proverbial asterisk next to it. But let's get there first before we can assess it. Of course, you know my opinion on that, but who am I to say what Major League Baseball should do? But in watching sports for pretty much my whole life, as I said weeks ago, it's like having an NFL season of six games. If that's the case, why even bother? So to me, if baseball is going to be anything less than 80 and certainly hovering around 50 to 60 games, they should just scrap the whole thing and see in 2021. So that's what I got as far as the latest with everything that's happening with these leagues. And it's amazing how the NFL, they've been bulletproof throughout all this. Now they're going to have their draft next week and I'll touch on the NFL notes right here because baseball obviously there really isn't much to talk about. I pretty much gave you that at the top. The NFL right now, when you're looking at the draft, and Roger Goodell, he'll be in his basement relaying draft picks, which that's going to be kind of interesting. I wonder if they're going to either put up a little covering in the back or they have to have something with the shield. I mean, they're just not going to have you know, his office space or whatever his den is that they're going to make this makeshift podium even if they do that it may seem hokey or look hokey but at least it's professional you know I don't want to see the bookcase or the living room of a one Roger Goodell him announcing these picks I'm sure they could send him a one sheet or something with the logo in the back and he could put it up himself 
So as far as the draft is concerned, and everybody's going to be looking forward to that, because obviously with no sports and with little news and any news that seems to come up through the pike that everybody's just chomping at the bit here, to be able to dissect the draft, preview it, and go through those seven rounds over the course of the three days starting next Thursday, it's going to be a little bit of relief as opposed to the alternative. Watching the classic games, going on YouTube, which is fun, but after a while, you just you, you know the outcome of these games. As fascinating as they may be, as classic as they may be, etc. And we only hope, now this would be funny because the NFL, they've been bulletproof throughout all this, as I've said. But watch there be some sort of potential screw-up in the process of Goodell getting the wrong pick. And even with the way technology is in this day and age, he could get this information, transfer him in a million different directions. So could you imagine if he's reading the fifth pick and there's a trade that's taking place and the fifth pick, who has the fifth pick off the top of my head? I should know this. Well, I know the Giants have the fourth pick and who knows they may trade. But let's just say the Dolphins, I believe the Dolphins are five. The Dolphins, they switch with the Giants, and then the Dolphins, they get Justin Simmons, the linebacker from Clemson, but meanwhile, he should have said Tua Tagovailoa, the quarterback from Alabama. So you may have a potential La La Land moonlight at the Oscars a few years back, where, heaven forbid, or even worse, Steve Harvey at the Miss America pageant a few years back, where he got the wrong card, or the wrong information was relayed to him. Wouldn't that be typical in this day and age, to have something like that happen? And the NFL will end up having egg on their face. Now to turn our attention to some news and notes in the NFL. Saw the sad news, and it just seems to be going around, which is terrible. Tavares Jackson, the former Minnesota Viking and Seattle Seahawks quarterback, last night died in a car crash, a one-car accident somewhere in Alabama where he lived. 36 years old, he leaves behind a wife and three kids. He was a guy who actually played in the league a little bit. Was a backup in Seattle, I believe was on that Super Bowl team of Super Bowl 48 with the Seahawks. I don't know what 2020 has done to the sports heroes and figures just in the first three and a half months, but man, they have certainly paid a price, boy. I mean, the list is as long as you could possibly, you might as well, if you look at this list, you would think this is the whole year. And it started off on New Year's Day with David Stern. And I don't need to go through the whole list, but you guys know it seems week in and week out. And at the end, my hero of the week is going to be someone who has since passed. So that's all you need to know about that. And then I'm going to talk about Colby Cave in a minute, the player in the Edmonton Oilers. But when you see the headlines and you see ex-NFL quarterback Jackson dies in a car accident and you say to yourself, is this real? I mean, what the hell is going on? Just sad news there. So... Thoughts, prayers, condolences go out to the Jackson family. But some news of on the field. So the Texans traded DeAndre Hopkins last month in a very controversial trade. And last week, Bill O'Brien, the coach and GM of the Texans, said that it was a matter of money that Hopkins wanted to restructure his contract where he had three more years at whatever it was, 14, 15 million. And Hopkins wanted to be paid in upwards of over 20 million. So they made that trade. They bring back David Johnson, who guy who has ability, but as we all know, you step on his toe, he's out for the year. So they make a trade with the Rams, who, of course, the Rams have been purging players off left and right, cutting players, whether your name is Todd Gurley, Clay Matthews. We all know that they traded for Jalen Ramsey last year, and you know they're going to have to pay him. But they've made all these deals. Corey Littleton, 
moving for, moving on. And now that they traded Brandon Cooks to the Texans, so they get that weapon that Deshaun Watson is certainly going to need. Is he DeAndre Hopkins? No. But Cooks is a very good receiver. Not great, but it is certainly a guy that could be reliable and dependable and certainly fits the bill there and will chances are will be the number one wide receiver on the Texans for next year. But the other big news coming down over the last few days is that the competition committee, they have not endorsed a renewal of the pass interference replay. Now, I believe they're going to meet on this. There's supposed to be, I believe, an owner's meeting or GM meeting May 16th through the 19th. Whether that's still going to be held, if that's going to be a gigantic Zoom call, that remains to be seen. But the pass interference replay, which was brought in last year in light of the NFC Championship game, as we know, Saints and Rams, Nikel Roby Coleman. Now you're looking at this being a one and done for the NFL, and rightfully so. Because as much as this was ballyhooed throughout the offseason, oh, we could finally get rid of the pass interferences, the egregious pass interferences, but that's what you have to concern yourself with, or underline the egregious part. A lot of those pass interference, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but a lot of the pass interference challenges for the 2019 season, a lot of them were not overturned. In fact, if I have to think off the top of my head, I would automatically think seventy-five, at least 75% of them were not overturned. And when you have that type of number, you're looking at this rule and this replay being thrown right out the window. Uh, that's all there is to it. And it's sad because we only hope that in the future, especially in a big regular season game or even worse, a playoff game, that its ugly head does not rear itself and certainly you're going to have to revisit this thing down the road. Now, again, this isn't official yet. This is just the rumblings that are taking place in the NFL offices, but maybe they'll do something to restructure it. Maybe it'll be a judgment deal where if on the replay, it's being shown. Now, I understand if they're going to do away with the replay, what can you do? They're not going to look at it. So even if the player gets mauled, as you saw there in the championship game, they're going to say, uh-uh, it's not in the rules, so we can't do anything about it. You just got to wait and see how that's going to shake down, and you're not going to see that probably for another month. So that's just something to keep in mind especially if this thing becomes official and just to think one year and that was the experiment they figured let's give it one year and see how it goes and for the most part it's been unsuccessful so you would think that it's going to get scrapped and it's going to get back to the way it was prior to the 2019 season so just something to think about here as we get closer to those meetings if they do take place and the ruling on whether or not this thing comes back where chances are it probably will not And just to stick with football for a minute, as far as the XFL is concerned, now, of course, the coronavirus certainly was the death knell for this league. And to use those words lightly, because obviously when I referred that to the XFL and with all of the people that have succumbed to this virus, it certainly cannot compare. But when you think about it, the league which they try to restart here and revamp, and it had five weeks where they had a team that was undefeated in the Houston team, and you had a bunch of teams that were middling, you know, three and two. Attendance was great in those first couple of weeks, and then it started to whittle down from there. Same with the ratings, how the ratings were pretty much higher than they expected to start, and then that started to wane as well. 
Now, although it's not official, but they're not looking ahead of 2021 at the current moment because they probably feel as if this league isn't going to thrive or even survive, probably looking at the numbers and weeks three, four, and five of the season, how they weren't going to improve and not knowing how much money has been lost or how much more money would need to be invested. They may just look at this and say, "Uh uh-uh, there's no way. And they can't even compete with the NFL. And they know that they're not in competition with the NFL. But when you have a league that is fledgling, and we've seen it in the past several times now, and it hasn't been able to flourish or come close to any expectations that the guys like Vince McMahon or even the former commissioner now, Oliver Luck, because a lot of these people in the front offices and obviously the players, they've all been laid off. That's it. And it looks like there's not going to be a return. Which is sad because I'm going to say this. I went in this with an open mind. I was gracious enough to get credentials, to be able to go out to MetLife to watch the New York, New Jersey Guardians. And although there were moments where eh, you kind of seen that it was, I'm not going to say amateur football, but it was, we'll say below average football. And some players have made the jump to the NFL where they've already signed some contracts going into next season. But sadly, wasn't given enough of a chance in order to, at least for one full season, put their stamp of approval with the public, with the media. And for my brief time in doing it, I found it enjoyable. Not only was it different with some of the rules and some of the the kickoff, which you, if you've heard me in the past, I love that. And I would think the NFL should incorporate that as well. And some of the other rules that they have. I don't care about the sideline interviews during the games. To me, that's neither here nor there. I couldn't care less. Or if you want to have the communication between the officials on the field when it comes to looking under the hood to review stuff and the interactions with the coaches, eh, I can live without that. I mean, would it add to the game? It possibly would, but at the same time, to me, that's neither here nor there either. But it's just sad that the league and the whole operation not only had to shut down because of the virus, but also looks like they're not going to give this another whirl come in 2021. Now, it's not official yet, and I don't think it's going to come back if you ask me. Not that I have any inside knowledge, but... If they looked at this five-game sample and saw some signs where they didn't think they were going to come out of this on the plus side or even break even or even a little bit below that, then I can't see this coming back. And it's a shame because they tried to present themselves as well as they possibly could. You know, this wasn't the AAFL of last year where it was on these nondescript networks and you had a couple of NFL players in there, but they couldn't even finish the season. And they had to scrap that sucker before the schedule was out. So to me, that seemed to be put together by piecemeal. Where here, obviously, this was two years out before they started to get this thing up and running. And it got out of the chute real fast. And then it started to slow down. And then it started to, I guess, get back to what they were hoping that it wouldn't be the case. And that would be numbers below average. Numbers that they were certainly discouraged by. And who knows if we're ever going to see this league again. So the XFL, in its five-game run, has come to an abrupt and rather swift close. And quickly with the NBA, it's interesting to think that when this whole thing came down with the 
COVID-19 where Rudy Gobert was pretty much the poster child and at the front line of this when he had contracted this virus, which forced the league to shut down its operations temporarily. And then you found out days after that that Donovan Mitchell, both of these players, of course, on the Utah Jazz, he had also come down with the virus, which made you think, oh, geez, how many other players are going to get this? Is it going to be that widespread? And remind you, this was in the very early stages of this pandemic. And we didn't even think it was going to get to what it is now a month later to where thankfully a lot of players haven't been affected. But as we all know, a lot of Americans and a lot of people, period, have been affected by this. But when these two players, who are teammates, to think that they actually had a, I don't want to say a falling out, but there definitely was a disconnect between the two of them to the point where I know there were some words said on both parts. I know Rudy Gobert tried to downplay any divisiveness between the two. We all know that that started with him touching the microphones of the and the recording equipment of the media right after a post game. There, I believe it was a couple days before this all went down. And he did mention that they didn't talk for quite some time, but they certainly patched things up. I know Donovan Mitchell had said a few things about it. He said, yeah, you know, there was certainly a rift between he and I. And of course, they went to the typical route of arguments, fights within family. It always happens. It's behind the scenes. You get in arguments with your brother, your sister, your spouse, etc. So he went that route in saying that every team has its moments where there's going to be disagreements or arguments and that they've all hashed it out and that everything's good right now and that he's just focused on trying to get this season resumed, make a long playoff run, and hopefully it ends with a championship. So... He went in the expected direction and pretty much, I don't want to say took the high road, but obviously took the usual way out when it comes to dealing with players and not trying to get all their business out there for the entire public to break down and digest and dissect and all that. So we'll see how that uh, unfolds once the season, if it does commence and get back to business. And then the NHL... Suffered a huge loss there with Colby Cave. He was a former Boston Bruin and current Edmonton Oiler who died a couple days ago. Actually had to get emergency surgery due to a cyst. I think, uh, if I can pronounce this correctly, Colloyal, C-O-L-L-I-A-L, Colloyal, I guess you pronounce it. Cyst that was causing pressure on his brain. So they had to relieve it by removing it. But because of the pressure... And not only that, but it was causing bleeding. His wife even said it would take a miracle for him even after the surgery if he were to survive this. And then unfortunately, he did pass on Saturday, 25 years old, just way too young. And obviously, the hockey world has mourned his passing. Now, Cave, I don't really know him as a player, how good he is. Obviously, he had played on a team previous to being an Edmonton Oiler. I'm sure he was a guy that uh, obviously was well-liked, well-respected, hard worker, showed a lot of toughness. It was from what you heard from Connor McDavid, the captain of the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, nothing short of tragic. 
And as I said earlier, it just seems like the sports world continues to get rocked to its knees with the passing of all these current or even former athletes that you just can't even, you can't wrap your head around it. And we understand there's going to be losses every day, not only just in the sports world, regular life as we've seen time and time again. But for whatever the reason, man, I tell you, 2020 has not been kind to the sports world on many fronts. So just another one here, more thoughts, more prayers, condolences go out to his wife. I don't believe they had any children off the top of my head. I should have known that, but uh, just another sad and unfortunate passing here, especially to a guy who is just pretty much starting his life, 25 years old. You can't even fathom it. Just a terrible story. And with that, people, I'm going to move on to my hero and zero of the week and what can I say? My hero of the week is one Al Kaline. Now, thankfully, he got to live a very fruitful, long, and Hall of Fame life. He is Mr. Tiger, 399 home runs, the youngest player to win a batting title at age 20, World Series champion 1968, 3,000 hits. Like I said, Mr. Tiger, I actually had a bat when I was a young boy. I had an Al Kaline bat. And Al Kaline was before my time. I never got to see him play. I believe his last year was 1974. I was five years old, but of course I didn't get to watch him play. But he passes at the age of 85. The cause of death was unknown, so we don't know if what he suffered, if it was natural causes, heart attack, don't know. But he lived to at least 85. And again, more thoughts, prayers, condolences to the Kaline family, but we all know he lived a very good life. And as I said, a Hall of Fame life, and may he rest in peace. So that is, he is my hero of the week. And my zero of the week, and I know this may be nitpicking, but hear me out on this. I'm giving this to NBC. And the reason why is because they went ahead and signed Drew Brees to become an analyst once his playing career is over. Now, if you recall, he signed a two-year deal just a couple of months ago to play at $25 million per. Now, we understand he wants to take one more run, hopefully to get to a Super Bowl and win. If he does that this year, you would think he would go off into the sunset, forfeit that $25 million, and then go to NBC. But now, what is it with these networks? And I'm only picking on NBC because, as we all know, for the longest time, ESPN was trying to get any and everybody under the sun, from Peyton Manning to Tony Romo, you name it. And we know ESPN has their own issues, but for NBC... To put a contract in the face of Drew Brees to say, when your playing career is done, we want to have you on board. It's almost as if NBC was like the college university trying to recruit an eighth grader to come to their university to play basketball or football because he's that much of a prodigy. And this isn't a knock Drew Brees by any stretch. I'm sure he may turn out to be a good analyst, great analyst. We won't know that until he gets in the booth. But for NBC to do that, it showed a lot of thirst on their part. And I get that they can't get Peyton Manning. And you also got to remember, I'm sure the going rate for these guys are now considering Romo got $17 million a year on his deal, which is twice as much as Troy Aikman makes. I'm sure they probably felt, well, hey, if we could get a guy that's Hall of Fame caliber, that knows the game, and we could get him for half of what Aikman makes, I'm sure he'll sign on the dotted line. So they threw that dart out and it certainly stuck on a bullseye because they got their man and they are my zero of the week. And that'll do it for this podcast, people. Well, guess what? This week is only the beginning.
Tune in later in the week. I would say Thursday afternoon. You're going to get a treat as I have A.J. Ramos, the former Miami Marlin and New York Met pitcher. He'll join me on the podcast. We recorded this uh, Tuesday of last week, which was a great conversation, and I can't wait to share that with everybody, as well as a tweak that I'm adding to the show, which is certainly long overdue. So the podcast 125, nice number there, is going to be a special one. So you definitely don't want to miss out on that. I would greatly appreciate it if you haven't done so already to subscribe to this podcast on wherever you get your podcast, whether it's on Apple, Google, Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Luminary, etc. By subscribing, the minute you do so, any of my podcasts, once they're completed and posted on my website at jreels.com, will come right to your phone, tablet, device, whatever you may use. And once you subscribe, although I would greatly appreciate that, but if you could also rate and review the podcast, Give me a four-star, five-star, whatever it may be, just a sentence or two. While you're sitting at home, scrolling through Instagram or Facebook or watching Netflix, you could take a couple of minutes to please give me a review on this podcast. I would sincerely appreciate it. And as I've said week in and week out, all that does is increase the visibility of this podcast with all the other ones that are out there and to generate interest to those who aren't familiar with this podcast so I could get those type of guests, whether it's the A.J. Ramoses of the world, the current athlete, former athlete, the broadcaster, blogger, sports writer, whatever it may be. So if you could contribute to the podcast in that regard, I would certainly appreciate it. And also you could follow me and the podcast on any of my social media accounts, whether it's on Instagram at J Reels or the J Reels podcast, which is strictly on sports. Also Twitter, J Reels one, just a number. My Facebook fan page at the J Reels Podcast. And you could, of course, send me a DM or drop a line on any of those aforementioned social media accounts. And if you want to do it the old-fashioned way, you could do so at the J Reels Podcast at gmail.com. With any questions, comments, criticism, praise, whatever it may be, I'll be sure to follow up with you as I usually do. And you know the deal, people. I'm just grateful to be here to share my wisdom, my knowledge, to entertain and inform you guys on everything that's happening in the world of sports. Continue to support independent podcasting like myself, and I'll be sure to pay you back tenfold to keep you guys informed in any way, shape, or form with everything that's going on in the world of the diamond, the world of the ice, the world of the gridiron, the world of the hardwood, the golf course, racetrack, tennis court, you name it. From my lips to your ears, from my heart to your soul, from where I am to wherever you are, the J Reels Podcast always comes correct, direct, and in full effect. From the South Bronx, the South Beach, the South Central, the South Pacific, and all points beyond. Peace, love, and God bless everybody. Until later on in the week, you don't want to miss that. AJ Ramos will be here with me as well as a brand new intro to the podcast for number 125. So don't miss out on that. Until then, everybody, stay safe, stay strong, stay positive, always get it. And until then, on the flipping.